much a joy to be here this evening. I thank the Lord for what we've already heard. I know you're wore out. I'm wore out too. I preached Monday and Tuesday night in Elkin, North Carolina for Brother Jeremy Simpson and drove down today. And all the way down, I said, Lord, surely he won't call on me to preach tonight. So I'm trying to figure out if God's not listening to me or Brother Gravely's not listening to God. One of the two is happening, and I'm not sure exactly which one it is. But I appreciate, I appreciate the Lord tonight. I appreciate his goodness. Preacher friend back here, Brother Hutto, he said, are you a nervous preacher? I said, if you, you need your head examined if you don't get nervous in a meeting like this. I appreciate Brother Gravely and the friendship that we've had, and I thank him for allowing us to come. I have no expectation of privilege. I don't deserve to be in a meeting like this. But uh, God called me, and I I go, and I I give him all I've got and give him the praise for it. I appreciate the singing already. Some of you I know, some of you I don't. Some of you know me, some of you know me as the weird guy in the meeting. (laughs) But anyway, I just, I used to, almost apologize for being me. I read that poem old Brother Willard Thomas wrote where he said, I think I'll just be me. And I'll tell you, Brother Thomas had it right, didn't he? Second Corinthians chapter 1. Second Corinthians chapter 1 tonight. And I'm going to give you a message. I won't be long before you. Second Corinthians chapter 1, when Brother Gravely booked me for this meeting, he made a request he said, preacher, if, you, if the Lord will let you, he said, there's a message you preached. He said, I, if, you, if the Lord will let you, uh, would you preach it? Well, I've, I've prayed a long time about it, and I feel like maybe God wants me to preach it. And if it bombs, it's because it's Brother Gravely's fault. He requested it. <laughs> Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 1. Let's start verse number 3. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the suffering, so shall ye be also of the consolation." For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, And doth deliver 
in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. And Lord, I pray that tonight in this place that you'd help me for just a few moments as I try to bring the message, God, that you've laid upon my heart for this hour. Thank you for what we've already heard. And Lord, I pray now that you'd give us receptive hearts for just a few more minutes. And Lord, we'll thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're going to do. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we ask it. Amen and amen. The Apostle Paul writing here in the first chapter of Corinthians. In verse 3, he begins, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. And I like this, this title, the God of all comfort. I'm glad that in a world where it seems like it's hard to find any comfort, in a world where it seems like there's troubles on every hand, I'm glad that we tonight have the God of all comfort. I'm glad he is a God that helps us in all of the troubles of life. Paul knew all about the God of all comfort. Matter of fact, in this, if you read this, Paul begins to talk about not only he declared him the God of all comfort, but Paul said, he said, he said, we comfort others with the comfort that he has comforted us with. Paul said, I'm not saying something I don't know anything about. I've been through some things and God has comforted me in the middle of all of them. And because of that, God has equipped me then to be a comfort to somebody else. But where I really want to get to is verse number eight. And Paul speaking of a, uh, an episode in his life. He doesn't give the details here in this. And many of you have studied this out. No doubt you could probably tell me exactly what it is. But he said in verse number eight, for we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. Paul said, and there was a trouble that came to us. If you notice this, Paul didn't go looking for trouble. He said the trouble came to us. I promise you in this world we live in, you don't have to look for trouble. It will come looking for you. Not a one of us got up today looking for trouble, desiring trouble in our life. But we know this to be true. In this world we live in, we will have troubles and we will have trials. Paul was talking about a trouble that not only came to him, but a trouble that tested the limits of what he was able to bear. He said, we were pressed out of measure above strength. Paul said, more than my ability to bear it. He said, the trouble was so heavy that said we despaired even of life. Have you ever been to that place where the troubles were so hard, the burdens were so heavy, you felt like you were going to die? I began to think about this one day as I've... And most of you that have heard me preach, you realize I'm, I'm illustrative in the way I preach many times. And I saw something one day that I, as I looked at that phrase, pressed out of measure, I saw something that caught my eye. And I said, you know, that is a great illustration right there of something that is pressed out of measure. I brought it with me tonight. As a matter of fact, got it in my pocket. And uh, I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. And everybody here will be able to identify with it when I show you what I've got in my pocket tonight. If you can see all over the building, it is a uh, used-up tube of toothpaste. 
Matter of fact, it's flat as it can be. Not much left in it. It's kind of been, it's kind of like Paul said, it's been pressed out of measure. When this came into my home, it looked shiny and new, and it was full of itself. (laughs) Kind of like most of us were at one point. But something happened to this old tube of toothpaste, the same thing that happens to many of you on a daily basis. Every day, pressure began to be applied to it. Sometimes multiple times a day by various different people. And the next thing you know, it finds itself in a state where it looks like there's nothing left. That there's, matter of fact, it's been emptied out and it's been uh, robbed of all usefulness that it might have. There are times in life when we have the pressures of life that come so powerfully upon us that it will wring you out. There's times when you get burned out mentally, physically, And you get exhausted to the point that you feel like you have nothing left to give. And I know some of you not like that. But boy, I'm going to tell you something right now. You can get there real quick. I'll never forget this. Probably 20 some years ago. I've been pastoring where I'm at now 25 years. And my family, of course, sang and traveled with me when they were younger. And my son, Ryan, he was about eight years old. I'll never forget this. And uh, we were at church one Sunday, and uh, it was one of them Sundays, you know how an eight-year-old boy is. He'd come up to me after church. He said, Dad, one of my friends wants me to go home with him today, that spend the afternoon. Well, it was one of those Sundays that it wasn't a good Sunday for that to happen. And so as a dad, I had to tell him no. I said, no, you can't do that today. And uh, you know how happy eight-year-old boys are about being told no when it's something they really want to do. And that day, Ryan, my son, he got upset at me. He didn't back talk me, anything like that. But he got mad at me. He didn't want to talk to me. He, matter of fact, we went home that day and, and all that day, he wouldn't even look at me. If he walked past me in the hall, he would turn his head. He didn't want to talk to his daddy because his daddy had told him no. And that evening, I'll be honest with you, I'd been in about 12 straight weeks of revival. I was worn out physically and I was just about mentally spent. And I was trying to get something to preach that night at the church and I couldn't get a thought. It was almost like every page in that Bible was blank. I said, God, there's nothing in there to preach. I don't know what I'm doing. I was frustrated. I was wrung out. I was, I was emptied out. I had given out all I had to give. Didn't seem like there's nothing left in there. Finally, that evening, I couldn't find nothing to preach. I thought, well, I'm going, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm waiting on my wife and daughter to get ready for church. It was getting close time to go. I said, I'm just going to go sit in the car and wait on them to come to get in the car. And that day, I'll be honest with you, I felt as empty on the inside as a man could be. And as I sat there in that car, when I got in there and shut the door, my little eight-year-old boy heard the door slam on the car and he thought we were leaving for church and he come bounding out the front door and when he started to get in the van where I was sitting, he looked and saw that I was the only one in the van. Wasn't nobody else in there. Mom and sister wasn't in there. Well, he wasn't about to get in that van with me because he didn't want to talk to me. 
And I watched him out the corner of my eye. He took hold of the door handle. He saw me in there and he turned around and he stuck his hands in his pockets and he started walking out toward the woods out behind where the van was parked. And I was watching him in the side mirror on the van. I was looking there and I was sitting there. It's almost like the devil got in the passenger seat that day. And the old enemy began to say, I want you to look at that big boy. You're running yourself ragged all over the country trying to help families and preaching to families how they ought to be. And I want you to look at that. Your own, your own eight-year-old boy don't want to talk to you. And the old enemy began to accuse and the old enemy began to point that out as a failure in my life. And I'll be honest with you, that day I got to praying. I said, God, you're going to have to help me. I said, I can't preach tonight. I, there's nothing in here. I said, my own son don't want to even talk to me. I was watching him in that mirror. And I said, God, I need you to help me. And I'll be honest with you, God did something for me that if God had a spoke audibly, it wouldn't have been any louder. As I was sitting there, I was looking at that little boy. seemed like he was a million miles away. And I said, God, I need you to help me. And as I watched him in that mirror, all of a sudden, my eyes caught some words at the bottom of the mirror. And on the mirror, it said this. Objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. Hallelujah to his name. I don't have to tell you business picked up in the van that evening. About that time, that young and a mind come up, grabbed the door, pulled it open, cried and said, Daddy, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? I said, I forgive you, son. Let's go to church. Amen. You may be here tonight and the trials of life have squeezed you to the point. It's taken everything you've got in you out. But I'm glad that in the midst of that state that he is a God of all comfort. I'm glad he'll help you tonight no matter where you're at or what you're going through. You say, preacher, what is it about uh, the God of all comfort? When I think about this, when you find yourself pressed out of measure, when you find yourself and the trials of life have put the squeeze on you, there's three things I'm going to give you and I'll be through tonight. Number one, when the pressures of life have come, find your place of calm. It's not always easy to find a place of calm in this world. But Paul knew all about trials and problems and pressures. Matter of fact, in Acts 27, Paul is on board a ship as a prisoner. Paul has already advised them not to sail. But they did not listen. They didn't believe Paul. They believed the owner and the master of the ship more than they did Paul. And the Bible said they began to sail. And for the next 14 days, the most epic storm that you'll ever see described in the Word of God. Matter of fact, the Bible calls it Eurachlodon. And the Bible said for 14 days they didn't see the sun or they didn't see the stars. Paul is on board the ship. They're lightening the ship. They've done everything humanly possible to make sure that the ship doesn't go under. But finally they reached a point that the Bible said that all hope was gone that they would be saved. But I want you to notice what Paul did. You see, Paul found a place of calm in the storm. He said, sirs, you should have hearkened unto me. This is a classic case of I told you so. Paul said, you should have hearkened unto me and not sailed. But he said, I got, I'm giving you my words. He said, I've got good news and bad news. 
There stood by me this night the angel of God whose I am and whom I serve. And he said, I got good news. Said, we're all going to make it. But the bad news is the boat ain't going to make it. Can I say to you, Paul knew where to go to in the midst of a storm that looked like it was going to take them all under. Paul knew that he could find his place of calm when he got a hold of heaven. Amen. Hallelujah to his name. I don't know if you ever get under pressure or not. You pastors, you know what I'm talking about. There are times as preachers and pastors that the problems of people become so heavy. I remember several years ago, it was on a Saturday. And it was one of those Saturdays that the phone was ringing off the hook. And every time it rang, it was something bad. Some, somebody's in trouble over here. This one's messed up over here. One gone stupid over here. And I can't fix none of it. And I'm taking all them calls. And I'll be honest with you, I was loaded down that day. And I, I, I didn't know what to do. I was so frustrated. I went out to my place of prayer. And I just vented toward God for about 30 minutes. I said, God, this one's doing this. And I can't fix that. And God, I don't know. I don't have the answer for this. And about that time after I'd rung myself out, God said, are you through now? I said, yeah, what are you going to do about it? He said, this is what you should have done all along. You should have brought it all to me. I went back in the house and I wrote that song. When troubles come against me, I feel so overwhelmed when it seems the more I'm trying that my troubles seem to swell when I've reached the end of me and my faith is growing dim. I hear a still voice whisper, just bring it all to him. I just bring it all to him. When no one understands, when you're looking for an answer, God always has a plan. When the burdens get so heavy and your sight is getting dim, oh, it sure is good in knowing that I can bring it all to him. If you're here tonight and the trials of life have put the squeeze on you, find your place of calm. Number two, when you get to the place that the trials of life have put the squeeze on you, Learn to cooperate with the inevitable circumstances of life. You know, when I find myself being wrung out, Brother Gravely, most of the time when I'm trying to stop stuff from happening that's going to happen no matter what I do, there's something just going to happen. There's some problems going to come. Ain't nothing you can do about it. I mean, it's going to happen. Bad stuff. You think Job could stop anything that came his way? Job couldn't a bit more stop it than you and I can stop the issues of life that come our way. But I'm going to tell you something. Paul knew something about cooperating with the inevitable circumstances of life. He hadn't been saved long. He's down there witnessing, talking about how Jesus is the Messiah, how Jesus is the Christ. And there's a crowd got mad about it. They said, we're going to kill him. And that crowd that was with Paul said, Paul said, we hate to be the bearer of bad news. I know you've not been saved long, but there's a crowd waiting on you at the gate of the city and they're going to kill you. They said, I tell you what we're going to do. We got a plan. 
said, Paul, we're going to wait till it gets dark. And we want you to get out a basket. And we're going to let you down over the wall. And can you imagine what Paul must have been thinking? Here he is in the dark. He's not been saved too long. And here he is, some fellas letting him down. He, he became a basket case early on in his ministry. It's taken most of us more years than that to become one. But Paul became a basket case early on in his ministry. But can you imagine that's why Paul could write this. He said that I've learned that whatsoever state I'm in, therewith to be content. Amen. There's some things in life just learn to cooperate. You can't change it. You can't fix it. Just trust God and trust him as the God of all comfort. Amen. I was in a meeting in Lawrenceville, Georgia, first part of the week. And on the other part of the week, I was over in Powder Springs, Georgia area, preaching. I'd been gone all week long. And I was excited about getting back home, see my wife. I was leaving on Friday. It was a, as a matter of fact, it was a beautiful sunny day. It was on Friday. I was heading back home. Not a cloud in the sky, not a storm nowhere. I had the, uh, I had the cruise control on headed toward Mountain City, Tennessee. And I'm making good time, and all of a sudden up on I-40, just on the other side of Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, I looked up, and all of a sudden, as far as the eye could see, all you could see was brake lights. Three lanes wide, bumper to bumper, I-40 had become a parking lot. I said, what in the world's going on? There were no construction signs that I'd seen, had no indication of a wreck or anything like that. All I saw was all them people in front of me. I'll be honest with you, I was tired, I was weary, I was frustrated, aggravated. Did you ever get like that? I know some of you do and some of you lie about it. <laughs> I'm just transparent. I, I, was, I was a little agitated. I was wanting to be home. I was wanting to get home. I didn't like none of them people in front of me. They hadn't done anything to me, but they were in my way. And I was sitting there that day. I got so agitated. Finally, I called my wife on the cell phone. I called her. She said, hello. I said, hey, what you, what you doing? She said, nothing. She said, what are you doing? I said, you don't want to know what I'm doing. She said, what do you mean? I said, I'm sitting down here in a traffic jam on I-40. I said, we're not moving. I said, I don't know what's happened. Three lanes wide, bumper to bumper traffic. As far as the eye can see, she said, oh, no. I said, oh, yes. I said, uh, I said, man, I don't know about that. I said, if I could get off of here, find a side road, I'd do it right now. She said, well, maybe it'll clear out in a little bit. Just, just be patient. Maybe it'll clear out. And I said, all right. She said, now you call me when you get closer home. And I said, I will. I sat there about 30 minutes. And in 30 minutes time, we moved about 30 feet. I called her back. She answered the phone. She said, hello. I said, you told me to call you when I got closer home. She said, where are you at now? I said, I'm about 30 feet farther than I was 30 minutes ago. She said, oh, no. I said, yeah. And she done her best to try to, I'll be honest with you, I was on the verge of road rage. I was, I was, I was antsy. She tried to calm me down. I'm sitting there. I said, man, I, I got to get out of this traffic jam. And she, she said, well, she said, maybe it'll clear out in a little while. And she didn't tell me to call her back this time. She said, I'll see you when you get home. I said, all right. 
I'm sitting there after I hung up the phone and I'm, have you ever been to the point you've been so aggravated about something you're almost talking to yourself? I'm glad I'm not the only crazy person here tonight. I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I was just about to lose it that day. And all of a sudden, have you ever got the weird feeling that somebody's looking at you? I mean, you just got the creepy feeling that somebody's looking at you. I'm sitting there holding the steering wheel, losing my mind. All of a sudden, I got the weird feeling somebody's looking. And I turned to the side. And when I did, the car beside me pulled up enough till I could see in the back seat of it. And there was a little brown-haired girl, looked like about three years old, in a car seat, prettiest little old baby you've ever seen. And that little old baby was looking straight at me, smiling the biggest smile that you've ever seen. I looked straight at it. The car pulled up just a little bit, and that little baby raised its hand up and went. About that time, the Holy Ghost got in the car with me. Said, hey, big boy. Did you notice that little girl over there? She's in the same traffic jam you're in. But it ain't tearing her up near as bad as it is you. She's still got her joy on the journey. Can I say sometimes the pressures of life and the struggles of life will rob you of your joy. You may be in a place right now you can't get out of it. You can't fix it. You can't even see any way of getting help. Just understand this though. The God of all comfort will be there with you in the midst of all of your struggle. Hallelujah to his name. I went through a period of time almost two years in a deep valley, something I couldn't fix, something I was seeking God for, something I was begging him for, not anything to consume it upon my own lust, but it was something good to help people I loved. And for two years, I prayed and prayed and prayed and God did nothing. I'll be honest with you, I was, there's a lot of days I was just trying to function. The dark clouds had surrounded me and it seemed like I was emptied of everything. One day I went out to my place of prayer and I'll be honest with you, I was a little bit frustrated toward God. And I went out there and I said, God, I don't understand. I said, I've been trying to serve you. I've given you everything. And I said, God, For the last two years of my life, I've been begging you to do something, Lord, that would help somebody I love. And I said, God, you've not done anything for the last two years. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, well, you're right. I haven't answered your prayer in the way you've prayed it. I haven't fixed it. I haven't even shown you that there's a possibility of it being fixed. But you're badly mistaken if you think I haven't done anything. And I, in, my, in my flesh and in my, I said, what have you done, God? For two years I've been about to die and you've not done anything. About that time the Holy Ghost said, turn around and look over your shoulder and look back over and trace back every step that you've walked for the last two years It's been my grace that's carried you every step of the way. I began to weep. I said, God, I said, God, you're right. I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry. I said, God, you're right. You haven't answered my prayer. But God, I wouldn't even be standing here if it wasn't for your grace that's carried me. I went back in the house that day and I wrote a song called When I Can't Thank Him for the Answer, I'll Thank Him for the Grace. I'm glad, praise God, that there's times of life when we can't thank Him for the answer we get. But I'm glad the God of all comfort, hallelujah, will help us to just trust His grace. Last of all, Paul said this. He said, he said he's the God of all comfort. Find your place of calm. Go to the place of prayer. Learn to cooperate with the things you can't fix and put them in God's hands. Then last of all, Paul said this. He said, uh, be a comfort to somebody else. I got to thinking about this old tube of toothpaste. It's as flat as a Baptist on Sunday morning at 15 to 12. <laughs> That's pretty flat, ain't it? Pretty flat. And I said, the day this came off the assembly line, no doubt there were thousands of other tubes came off with it. Some would say all it's good for now is to be thrown in the garbage. And most of those that came off the assembly line have already met their demise. But this one, when it got emptied out, it didn't get thrown away. Now it goes to church. (laughs) And matter of fact, it goes to church and testifies to the fact that when you've been pressed out of measure... You can still give God glory. Hallelujah to his name. Matter of fact, if you look at that, some of y'all say there ain't nothing left in there. Well, the one that bought it has got his hand on it. And even though you can't see it, I can feel a little bit in there. I am glad that God, when you think there's nothing left, When you say, I can't do it anymore, I'm glad there's a God. He's got his hand on you. He knows why. He said, there's enough still in there to put a smile on somebody's face. Praise God. I'm glad for a God that is a God of all comfort tonight. I don't know where you're at tonight, what you may be going through. But I know he is a God that is a God of all comfort. Father, we thank you tonight for what you've done for us. I pray, God, that you would help us tonight. Lord, there may be somebody here that feels as though, Lord, they're being pressed out of measure. Lord, they may be going through a trial that is more than they can bear. Lord, there may be a darkness that is almost ready to suffocate them. I pray that, God, tonight would you help them in this place. Lord, we're going to thank you for all you've done.